Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They had been been around the block a time or two. What's the first deal they built, I bet? No, no, you know, I think they were, the the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped up car, and he he complained that the government gave him these piece of crap cheapo cars, and that, that were really no match. But he thought he was doing pretty good, and then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappears. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And as he said, it was a game of chicken, and I was the chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually, he was the guy who, who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a, in a barbed wire fence. So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast, available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast. Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Welcome, everybody, back to the garage and the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. I'm your host this week, The Iceberg. You know because, well, it's on my channel. And uh, you know the rest of these guys. But, guys, let's not dilly-dally on this. It's a big week. We are are in the middle of big market season. First, we got Nashville. Now we got Chicago. And then we got Atlanta the next week. Um, 
I don't know. I think we have New Hampshire after that. That that pretty much ends that season pretty quickly. Hey, that, that's a whole state. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, okay. We got the whole state. I, yeah. uh, but we are live, ready to go with the NASCAR Weekly Podcast, and we have plenty to say, but I think we should start off with some hot takes. Danny, you start us off. What you got tonight, man? Okay, my hot take t- today is that the Nashville Super Speedway is here to stay. And Bristol is in danger of losing one of the Tennessee dates because I think Nashville needs to have two dates, whether that's two times at the Super Speedway, once at the Super Speedway, and once at the fairgrounds, and then one time in Bristol. That That is what I think is coming down the pipeline at some point. A lot of the industry people loved Nashville. Everyone I talked to at some point in this weekend, at some point in any of the three trips, has enjoyed spending time on Broadway in downtown Nashville. They really love it down here. It's why the, it's why the championship celebrations are held here. They love the, the party and celebration atmosphere of Nashville. And I think that Nashville definitely deserves to have three dates at some point. And the Karens, and I'm sorry for using that word, apparently, the <laughs> Karens will just have to get over it. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah, don't don't get yourself canceled, Daddy. Don't say Karen. Don't get a don't get all offensive about. That. I, I have a family member named Karen. That, <laughs> no, no one cares about that. That's exactly. unfortunate. <laughs> all right. Well, if you see my video today, I think you know where I'm going with this. So for the NASCAR fan base, if you spent ten dollars on that 2022 DLC, you're an idiot. <laughs> Plain and simple. I'm sorry. You want me to be blunt about it? I'm sorry. You're after all the stuff that has come out on this company, some of y'all are still putting money in their pockets. This is the same company that lost $36 million in 2022, a net loss of $36 million, okay? I don't know where that money's going because it's clearly not going to a uh, uh, to a racing product. But look, if it works for you, okay, cool. If you happen to be some little kid, you know, just begging your parents, like, mommy, daddy, I want the game. Can you get me get the DLC? Okay, fine. I get it. You may not have a whole lot of options, but if you're a grown man or woman and you decided to spend $10 on that DLC with less features, missing tracks, I'm sorry. I I hate to say it, but uh, you're an idiot for doing it. I'm sorry. You're just an idiot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. I mean, just that, all the stuff that's came out, there's no more excuses. There's no more excuses. Do not put money into these crooks' pockets anymore, okay? Motorsports games, I am praying on your downfall until the day I die. Well, uh, Darian's uh, going after the, the fans. Uh, I'm, I'm going to call a driver an idiot. Uh, Sheldon Creed's a damn fool. Uh, get penalized this week uh, for intentionally wrecking Sammy Smith at Nashville. Uh, $25,000 fine, 25-point penalty. You know, he'll be fine. Big picture, he's, uh, I think he's ninth in points. So he's probably still going to make the playoffs. No big deal. But, you know, he wrecked himself in the process of wrecking Sammy Smith. Admitted, or I'm sure, what, what should I say? Like, he, it was a premeditated attack. He admitted to wanting to wreck him on the radio, even after his team told him not to, Hey, you're going to get suspended, not suspended, but you're going to get penalized. If you do that, he did it anyways. I I just don't understand it. I I know he's in a fine points position, but his teammate, Austin Hill is outclassing him every single week. Three wins for Austin Hill. Sheldon Creed's got a still a fat old goose egg there. You can't just throw races away. It's, it's immature. It's childish. And especially in the wake of what Chase Elliott did, what uh, Bubba Wallace did last year, you got to be a damn fool 
to go out there and call your shot and intentionally wreck someone in NASCAR these days. Mm-hmm. Gosh, the negativity tonight. I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to go on the more uh, happy side of things. My hot take uh, and I'm not saying the quality is the same, but I'm saying I think the fan response long-term will be the same. The current era of NBC sports that we are in right now, I would say the post-slide job era, that 2018 on to today, will be remembered by fans in 20 years the way that fans like the four of us remember NASCAR on Fox. Now, I don't think that they're at that level personally, but I think that people are going to look back with nostalgia at this more than they normally do. I did see some people uh, playing around and messing with people on Twitter about being nostalgic for the 550 package. But I do think, though, that people will look back at this and they will see the way the coverage was around it, how NBC was before 2018, 19, 20, and on. Uh, and I think that they're going to, in my opinion, view this on the same pedestal as the best of the best of NASCAR broadcasting. I don't think it's at the same level, but I think fans will think that. Yeah, I, I think I, I think we're gonna make this very tough for the chat because we all gave pretty cold takes. Yeah, today. You know, we all I think the I passion mean, that I had counts for something. There. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, compare. I, I would say comparing anything to like prime NASCAR on Fox, I think still is a hot take because I think prime NASCAR yeah. on, ta- on Fox is uh, it, it is still head and shoulders above what NBC has, and I thought NBC was pretty good. Uh, yeah. But, but I, I don't think it's at GOAT status yet. I think there's going to be a lot of young fans who think this is GOAT status. Uh, I, I can see yeah. it in the chat. They all think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty close. But while we have everybody voting, and by the way, to the over 300 watching, be sure to lick that like button. We'll read those super chats at the top of the hour with our first super mm-hmm. chat stage break. Let's get in to Nashville. And guys, Unlike most weekends, and by the way, lick that like button at home, uh, but unlike most weekends where we have somebody go to the race, I can't just easily scapegoat talking about it to the person at the race because all four of us were there. Yeah, uh, we all, all at the same table, too. We all had a table together. So I guess I'll just roll in the same order we did for for the hot takes. Danny, start us off. What do you think Ross Chastain proved this weekend with his win. It was definitely different than any other cup win he had. What did he prove? He proved us wrong because we were uh, kind of all in agreement last week that he couldn't mm-hmm. close and he finally did close. Uh, they put together a strong performance, got the pole. Um, honestly, was looking very dominant at the start. Got held up by Noah Gregson. It was kind of funny looking back on mm-hmm. that. No- Noah driving like Ryan Newman just to help get Ross out of the lead. Um didn't really get much at, at, after that, to be honest, but kind of still interesting how that all went down, especially considering they've had some problems this year. Um, but then he was able to work his way. He 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 held it good with that, uh, was it three to four laps? We saw three wide strike for the lead. Um, he didn't come out the leader there, but ultimately ended up processing it. Um, ran down Martin Truex Jr. at the end, ran down Denny Hamlin, got passed for the lead. Clean, passed Denny Hamlin clean. The talk, it worked. It worked for him, and, uh, you know, ultimately, I think it's it's one of those races that Denny Martin should not be upset having lost to him because he ran down and did it the right way. Yeah, finally, Ross Chastain closes the deal. I mean, it had been forever since he won a race. Um, had the Coda and Talladega wins. I mean, nearly won the championship, but, it, you know, I mean, like you said, just hasn't been able to close the deal until now. 
And really, I, I felt like Truex was going to eventually run him down, but it just never happened. I mean, he would get like what, like, I don't know, within half a sec, um, within like, I don't know, five tenths, six tenths, something around that area. Yeah. And then it just sort of stall out. The only guy I really thought had a chance was Harvick. And then he had his tire issue yeah. that, that hurt him. Yeah. So like he was the only one I was, me and Claudia was noticing. And that's why we went to his pit box. It's like, man, he's really closing this gap. I mean, at the time, I think Hamlin was falling off, so everyone was closing the gap, but he was really closing because he was like four seconds back, and then all of a sudden he was one and a half seconds back, and then he had his tire issue. That was the only person I think had, had, had a chance to beat Ross that night. And Ross really needed this win. I mean, he was sort of in a slump there for a little bit. I mean, ever since the talk, right? The talk, as we've called it now. Um, you know, he was in a bit of a slump, but now he's back. You know, he has the win. He's guaranteed into the playoffs. And now we have 11 winners in 17 races. So, you know, so it could spell really over. 11? Yes, we do. Yeah, the wow. parody is still there. So, I oh. mean... You know, we, we have we, we can't keep using the guaranteed word too much if we're that yeah, close. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, you know what? It's guaranteed for now. But hey, you never know. We could get, you know, a bunch of, you know, first time winners this there's, year. There's still two Hendrick cars that haven't won this year. Mm-hmm. Well, what, so, what yeah. say you about this, Eric? Like what what does Ross kind of prove in both to the field and how is kind of perspective, I think, changed so far this season? Yeah, what he proved is that he was capable uh, of changing. You know, I, it was interesting this weekend how Justin Marks and Ross to an extent, but uh, to an extent, but especially Justin Marks were trying to downplay the talk. Like Justin Marks, you were the one who went on the radio a month ago and said, "Yeah, we've had difficult conversations." Like you know, those are your words. Now we don't know exactly what the conversations were about, but you had a conversation. And in the wake of what happened at Darlington, I think Ross Chastain probably took it as, "Yeah, I need to." Be more selective, be more careful about, you know, when I'm aggressive, when do I push, when do I go 110%? And, you know, maybe he was a little too lackadaisical the past few weeks, but I really think it was more Trackhouse just didn't have the speed. Uh, Trackhouse this weekend had the speed. I think they should have finished 1-2. The fact that Daniel Suarez still finished top 10 with a backup car after starting at the rear just tells you all the speed that the two primary Trackhouse cars had. But, you know, at the same time, I do think Ross Chastain exemplified some new tendencies. Like, when he needed to be aggressive, that final run when uh, Almarola and I can't remember who the other lap car was were holding him up, he w- took him three wide middle and stuck Truex in that dirty air. That was the perfect moment to be aggressive because that locked the win up for him, in my opinion. And, and But earlier in the race, when he didn't need to be overly aggressive, he was patient. He let the car come to him. Truex and Hamlin faded a bit on the long run. Chastain came to life. Uh, I'm not sure that Chastain of even six weeks ago would have had the patience to save tires, to save his equipment the way he did. So, uh, I mean, this proves me a few things. I think it proves to me that, you know, maybe Chastain wasn't the problem the past few weeks as much as the cars just weren't as fast. But at the same time, it proves that Chastain did take some of the lessons that he learned after Darlington to heart and applied them very well at Nashville. And he got the win as a result. Well, and. I when I, I made a video about him and the person I compared him to wasn't Dale Earnhardt like everyone was getting upset with, uh, but it reminds me of early career Kyle Busch. Uh, every year it was it was always this is a new Kyle Busch and it was Kyle Busch 2.0 and then we had all the way to like Kyle Busch like 15.0 because every time it was a new Kyle Busch and in hindsight he did make those small steps and that's what what Chastain's doing now I think it is a bit of a bigger step for him not to you know drive in and and try to win the race from sixth on lap 78 but I I think that a Chastain who who doesn't 
push the limit until he has to and, and is a much smarter driver overall, uh, I think that is dangerous for the field, obviously. My question is, does he keep this going into the playoffs? Because that's when the pressure's on. That's In any sport, playoffs is when you regress back to the mean. Like If, if you're overachieving, you will that will be exposed in some way when the championship's on the line. I think there's going to be times he does regress a little bit. But every driver has those moments, especially early on in their cup career. I think it's how he responds to that over time and how far apart those moments are uh, that I think is really going to set the tone for how Chastain, uh, one, is viewed, but two, how much success he has past just 2023's Chastain. Um, but kind of moving forward from there, we talked about it for a moment. I I, I want to bring a, a little bit of awareness to it again. That three-wide battle was... Uh, I, I, I know, We're all going to pair it right now. That was just so damn fun it was to cool. watch. It was cool. I mean, because what was it? Three straight laps it was like that? Oh, or two? Some, like, it was three crazy. or more. It was, it was at, least, three and at half. least three or four. And I, yeah. I've, seen, I've seen moments in the past where drivers held it too wide for like even up to like 10 laps. I feel like we saw... Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott did that one year at Kansas, but I haven't seen guys just hold it three wide at a non-super speedway like that. Yeah, and also, I mean, like, this is this wasn't the, you know, the old 550 package neither. Like, I mean, I felt like, you know, it was a lot easier to do that back in the day with that package, but no, nah, I mean, this was at the 750 package, just straight-up talent. Byron, Chastain, and Martin Truex Jr., and then eventually Truex was able to get the lead there, but it was spectacular. And considering how slick the track appeared to be a day earlier with the Xfinity cars, and I know the Cup cars, they didn't really have many. They had like two cautions for incident, and I, I think one was a loose wheel and the other was on a restart. So you know the cars certainly were planted more so on Sunday than Saturday, but you know you see everything that happened on Saturday, how, how easy it was to wipe out when you were two wide, uh, let alone three wide. So I I, in some ways, it speaks to man how much mechanical grip the Cup cars make nowadays, but also the talent. the The talent disparity from Xfinity to Cup is immeasurable. Well, because yeah. Eric, you and me were at my place watching the Xfinity race, and we just started laughing at one point. Yeah, you can now. It was it was a lot of this. It was a lot of oh yeah, especially <laughs> at the start. We'll get into that. I, heard I hope our Spotify say- listeners appreciated that. <laughs> I heard, well, they'll appreciate this. I heard you say that, and then you're like, by the way, I just tweeted that I audibly groaned. <laughs> yeah, I had to let the world know that I went, oh, I, after uh, one of the crash. It might have been the Sheldon Creed crash, that damn fool. I yeah. can verify he, he audibly groaned. Uh, <laughs> now, looking kind of past that, too, uh, there are two incidents uh, in this race. One that... Uh, is unnecessary, and another one that's unnecessary, but also just kind of how how the hell does that happen after the race? We'll get to the after the race part in a bit. Uh, let's talk about that Ryan Blaney crash. Uh, I we I think we all were sitting with each other when that happened, and I know uh, the thing. What, what's okay. up? Well, I was about to say I was actually outside. I saw. Okay. It. I saw. Yeah. Well, so the thing I said about it was. It has been 22 years since the death of Dale Earnhardt started people in NASCAR making this push for safety and for safer barriers everywhere. How in the hell, in 2023, are there not safer barriers everywhere? We have seen it proven with just about half the crashes Jeff Gordon had at the last 15 years of his career. We've seen it proven over and over again. Cars will find the stupidest places to hit walls. 
And that Blaney hit, while not at full speed, still looked pretty vicious. He looked shaken up. Uh, but I guess, Darren, you, you were out there. You, got, you, you saw the car close up. Which, by the way, I want to clarify really quick before you say anything. Uh, I saw people tweeting that the, the, one of the bars inside the car was bent. That's not true. That's just that's how the, the, the cage was we, designed. We, uh, we looked up the picture of the way it's supposed to be, and that was exactly how it was. Yeah, but Darren, kind of lead us off with, with the reaction that I think you and a lot of other people had to this incident. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, like it just looked like looked like a typical restart, and then all of a sudden, everyone gets stacked up. Kyle Busch and Ryan Blaney are, you know, spinning to the inside. Busch was able to save it, but then, you know, Blaney was he was trying his best to save it there, trying to get it straightened up, but unfortunately, couldn't in time. And then whack into a non-safer barrier. And as he was going to the wall, I just immediately thought I was like, oh yeah, because like I, you know, like I've you know I've been to the track enough times to know that yep, that certain part of the track does not have a single safer barrier, and you know, like, and now that he's hit it and stuff, it's like, once again, yeah, it just begs the question. Like, why is there not safer barriers on every part of the track? I'm pretty sure they'll get that fixed. And uh, Blaney's reaction, too, was uh, interesting as well. He said he'd pay for the effing thing himself. It wasn't <laughs> just a small part of the track. I looked up the on the Google Maps, and literally the entire inside wall, except for one oh. little stretch on the back stretch, doesn't have safer barriers. Well, they need to get that fixed immediately. And for it's every track, they least- should have that. Yeah, at the very least on that spot. And, and you know, Elton Sawyer from NASCAR admitted this, uh, that they need to, they should have had something, whether it be a tire barrier. If they could, if it's not physically impossible possible to install a safer barrier, which I don't really understand why it wouldn't be, mm-hmm. uh, they at least need to have something there to cushion that blow. Because, I mean, exactly, it was on a restart. He wasn't going that fast. And yet that, just the the sudden stop, like how quickly that car just goes from one direction to bouncing off going the other direction, that change in velocity um, I mean, that's where head injuries come into play. That's where things get really, really um, dangerous. I guess it was just a moment of, you know, Nashville Super Speedway, we forget. It's kind of from a previous era of NASCAR. It was from, you know, very the very start of that safety revolution. So it's, you know, it's been brought back for cup, but it's, it's maybe still not 110% cup series ready. And I think that got exposed a little bit in this crash. Yeah, and you, know, you guys pretty much put it uh, how how I would on it too. I do want to say I, I give Ryan Blaney props. One, for keeping his composure for the most part. Now, there, I, I haven't seen any news uh, if he's been injured in any way. Um, there, there hasn't been anything that's come out about it. Uh, maybe maybe they'll find, we'll find out. I'm thinking that at this point, if they haven't announced anything, he should be okay to go for Chicago. Uh, but I did see online, I believe, I, I don't, who 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 was the first person to tweet it? Because I saw multiple people tweet. Somebody made a custom car. I I saw Elijah Burke tweet it. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So I saw him tweet that. I I didn't. He didn't know make if, the car. He was just yes. tweeting about yeah. somebody correct, else. Who correct, made the car. correct. It was just they found it on eBay. That's all it was. <laughs> so I I do agree with him. I think that's like that's a little quick to make that, especially since <laughs> yeah. on Monday there was no you know we hadn't heard if there's anything about him yet if, if, or whatnot. Uh, but I got to mm-hmm. say, I commend Ryan Blaney. Now, I actually have the tweet ready to go that Blaney put. So Elijah put that out there. I'll admit it's actually fairly accurate of a crash car. Yeah. Uh, but I'll put it right can't, here. Can't deny that. I'll put it right here. It's going to block all of us. But Blaney put walls sold separately. <laughs> <laughs> At least he can find humor in it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure like, I mean, I'm sure he's not like, you know, I'm sure he's still recovering a little bit. 
But I mean, if he were going to be out, I'm pretty sure we'd hear something by now. I'm trying hey, to remember you when never the, know. you never know when though. the Gregs when did Gregson news come out? Wasn't that uh, Thursday? Yeah, it was on a Thursday. So, so yeah, you never know. We got one more day. So I'm hoping hey. he's okay. Yeah, because that was that was I, just a brutal impact. He seemed more with it than Gregson did, though. At least, which yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna. It's yeah, it's hard to like try and you know well, analyze someone from afar yeah right? like i'm not really yeah. good at that because like i would remember i remember watching noah gregson's interview in the media center and going uh oh, well i i guess he's okay he might, yeah, he might be just, okay. I mean, yeah. noah I mean, gregson's always a little wild-eyed yeah you know? <laughs> yeah yeah because i have to go back and look i mean the, the crash at uh texas that ultimately hurt bowman last year i'm pretty sure he probably did an interview after that i'd imagine to go back and see if he did but i think he uh, did. so that's not enough to go off of just because he did interviews yeah, but he he at least it, it did seem like from what people said he seemed more angry than than dazed yeah. and confused. Mm-hmm. We you know obviously we were working that race. We didn't even go try to get an interview. None of us assumed he would even want to do one after that. Yeah, but no, luckily he did. And uh, again, just that one quote of he he'll pay pay it in um, his f himself. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. That was a good one. And then I guess the last little bit from the night of of main incidents. Was something that baffled me. Now I I did I only saw like the a bit of it before I had to go out post race and get some stuff done. Um but the Briscoe Suarez deal has I don't I don't know if I've seen anything. Has there been anything about uh, that? Because it seemed like Briscoe was going awful fast on the high side into pit road. Yeah. So I guess one of the front stretch guys immediately talked to Briscoe afterwards, and I guess like I don't know, like he was trying to get to pit lane and then i guess suarez like he just was surprised suarez was there and then just hit him i guess so that that was it i mean there was nothing more to it because i mean this is going to sound harsh but they were far away from each other on track all night i mean like suarez wasn't running up front up front like that but he was certainly running in front of briscoe for a lot of the race so i think it was just an accident it was it was just yeah, it's it just, just kind of embarrassing i felt so bad for well, i mean i felt bad for suarez this weekend because like i said earlier he had a winning car wrecked it in qualifying going for the pole mm-hmm. starts at the rear works his way forward has to watch his teammate dominate and win the race and then he's like you know what i'll be a good teammate i'll go celebrate with him oh shit <laughs> crash so he, he just it was it was just rough rough weekend for suarez yeah. and rough weekend for storehouse racing, for a top though. 10 he still got a top 10 and actually i think moved up one position in the points so that he's he now 16th on the grid so i guess all things considered not a bad weekend but yeah. could have been so much more yeah, and and Darren, you'd kind of talked about SHR. I, I feel like we're just beating a dead horse talking about the same thing. I mean, SHR's been struggling all year. I know the, 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 it's the yeah, back of the, Harvick the, finally broke with the tire. It did. That's oh, why. I was, yeah. That's why I was glad to find out that Suarez was just trying to go congratulate Ross because I was like, how the heck does Briscoe make an enemy running yeah, the back? Yeah. Like, what was <laughs> what happened? Did we miss something there? But no, SHR is that. already an enemy with running up front. So. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you're right though. Looking, uh, let's look really quick at the playoff bubble as it's going on the bottom of the screen. So right now, Suarez does hold a two-point advantage over Alex Bowman, uh, 10 points to Gibbs, 24 to the Dinger, 27 to Mr. McDowell's Supremacy, and then 45 to LaJoy, 51 to Cindric, and 55 to Haley. After that, they're more in a race back. And Bubba Wallace, 15th in points, plus 30 on the cut line. We have nine races to go, guys. Uh, of this scrum, I, I want to ask going into it, and I, I'm going to write it down because I want to go back right after Daytona and check this. I'll start with you, Darian, and then Eric, and then Danny, and then me. 
Who of those guys are you most comfortable with being in the playoffs this year? And who do you think uh, is is like a surefire you think would make it but will miss it kind of deal? Okay. So right now, the most comfortable guy I'm with, I mean, he's the you know first guy on this list, Bubba Wallace. I mean, he's only plus 30, but I mean, you take away some of those... Um, you know, mechanical issues and stuff, you know, some of the early season mistakes and he'd be a lot, you know, a lot more above the cut line for sure. But um, I think that consistency will continue for him in that team. He's proven he can run with Tyler Reddick. Now, as far as people below the cut line, I mean, Alex Bowman, I feel like, you know, if we don't get a, a whole lot of new winners, I feel like he'll make it in. But then I'm looking at 18th through 20th. Those are three drivers that are very intriguing. Ty Gibbs, he's still a rookie, but he's only minus 10. And, you know, our expectations with rookies are a lot different nowadays because we were spoiled in the early 2000s with the young guns winning a bunch of races. So now it's more, you know, we have more mild, you know, uh, expectations for rookies. And Ty Gibbs being minus 10 below the cut line, that's pretty damn good. And, you know, especially when we have, you know, what I consider personally a wild card race coming up. And then you also you have the road course ringers, AJ Allmendinger and Michael McDowell. I mean, this weekend's a perfect opportunity from them to get a win. But also, I mean, they're starting to gain a little bit. I mean, AJ Allmendinger showed a lot, a lot of promise this uh this past weekend. Better lately. Yeah. And then Michael McDowell, you know, he's still doing his thing. But uh, those are three guys I think we should really watch out for. I don't think anyone on that list, and I'm sorry if I jumped in front of somebody, but I think from Bubba, who's plus 30, Suarez plus two all the way down, I don't think anyone on that list is safe because I think Chase Elliott's going to win a race. He's been top five the last couple of weeks. He's going to win. He's going to leapfrog all those guys. And, you know, I, I think um, I think a guy like Bowman could win. I think you you just, the only guy who I feel confident is safe is like Chris Busher, who's like 70 points ahead of Bubba Wallace. I just, I don't know. I, at this point, I wouldn't say any of them are safe. I think the, everyone we just named is going to need to win a race if they want to make the playoffs. But I'll say, if, like, you know, if, I, if, if you had to choose right now, make, miss. Darian, you chose Bubba to make. Who did you choose to miss of, if, if, of any of them? Oh, to miss? Yeah, I'm going to go with Suarez. I'm okay. going to go with Suarez. So, Eric, you, you have to choose I, one to make and one to miss. Who do you got? I think Bubba makes it because I think he's got the best shot, honestly, of all those guys of rattling off a win later this summer. Um, so I think the rest miss it. I think Suarez, Bowman, Gibbs, Dinger, I think they all miss it at this rate. Dinger could win a road course. That was the other guy I was trying to think of. But I, at this point, I'm not confident. Danny, who do you got? So I'm not ruling out a possibility that Chris Busher or even Brad could suddenly things go wrong and they lose it this summer. But I'm not going to say that that would happen either. If I have to pick one to miss, I'm going to say Suarez might miss it because he can still be hit or miss on some of these tracks, I feel like. Um, I don't I don't know if Bowman will make it, but uh, if I had to pick one just of this group, I would say maybe he's got a chance to make it in. Um, but as Eric said, a Chase Elliott win could really get both those guys out. So I'm looking at it right now, and the schedule ahead uh, – let me pull it up while I'm I'm thinking about it right now. So, sorry, just to go back. I mean, keep this in mind for Alex Bowman. I feel like he maybe could do better than Suarez as the summer goes on because let's not forget he was the points leader for a lot of the season at the start of the year, and then ultimately things happened the way they did. So the way I'm looking at it is like this. We really have more wild card races, in my opinion, left than we do normal races. Uh, when When you look at the races remaining – it's Chicago. If we're looking at wild cards, Chicago, Atlanta, Indy, 
Watkins Glen, Daytona. The road courses are nuts. Super speedways are crazy. And a street race, that's something that's never been done before. Uh, I mean, Loudoun is a normal one. I'd say Pocono is pretty normal. Richmond and then Michigan. That four-race stretch, I think, are like going to be the ones who solidify who makes it enough points and who doesn't. But if I'm looking at it and I got three road courses, and yes, this guy, and I still think he'll make it in the end, but if I had to pick somebody who I think will miss, if you're picking three road courses and you got to make it enough points, Bubba Wallace on road courses is not reliable. Uh, he's true. Not. Yeah. And he's got, and, no. and you know what? He's, he's done a little better these last few, but he has. And, and you know, he is good at super ha- speedways. Have, having I, Tyler as his teammate definitely yep, helps. Yep. But he's good at super speedways. But at the same time, anyone can be good at super speedways and still get crashed out. Uh, he, if I had to pick somebody out of that group that's out that makes it, because uh, I still think that Chase Elliott's going to score that win. Um, but I don't trust LaJoy to make up the points. I don't trust Cindric. Uh Justin Haley, I think Colleague is not there yet. Uh, Almondinger is intriguing because he has gotten better. Uh, but I think the and I and I'm as much as I like Michael McDowell, I'm not gonna pick him to make it on points over some of these guys. If I had to pick, it's between Ty Gibbs and Alex Bowman. And that 48's been a little off to me, but at the same time, Ty Gibbs is a rookie. I'm gonna give the edge to the 48. I think of all those ones out, he has the best shot because he's shown the speed. That team was really good. I think they're going to get their mojo back a little more over the summer. Uh, if I had to pick any of them, that's that. That's who I got. So I'm I'm going to keep track of this. And in nine weeks or ten weeks, actually, because it'll be past Daytona, I'm going to bring this back up when we talk about the playoff grid. Um, Me being the resident Alex Bowman expert, the tracks we do have coming up. Um, he's got wins at Pocono and Richmond, but those were with the old car and relatively kind of fluky. So, yeah, my, my only issue with Bowman right now, he was so good to start the year, obviously, so consistent, was leading the points, I think, until the injury. But I was looking at his, I look, pulled up his numbers. Uh, he has not finished inside the top 10 since Richmond. Ugh. And I know that I know he missed three or four races in, in between there, but that is. That's seven bad. starts, eight starts since his last top 10 finish. And Ugh. that's the thing. I, I'm not comfortable really with any of these guys uh, yeah. on that cut line. Just because. That's, I, that's my point. I just think Chase will win. And I think anyone from Bubba to Almondinger, like Bubba to two plate races, Almondinger at the three road courses, I think one of them wins one of those. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's why I, I think Chase and, and Bubba get the last two spots. That's my prediction. Well, I. Don't know if it'll happen for either of them. And still anything can happen. It would be a shame if Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott missed the playoffs because since they've been with Hendrick, Nader has missed the playoffs any of their times. And speaking of Chase Elliott, he gained 20 plus points over this That's past true. weekend. So he doesn't just, need to win at this just rate. Just watch out. Just watch out. I mean, yeah, look, he needs to have, you know, keep having solid top five, top 10 runs and getting those stage points. But man, watch out, man. It's, it's not over. I, I, and he is that linchpin, I think, when it comes to uh, a chaotic run to the finish with this. But 64 back with nine races left, that's seven points a race. I'm just thinking, imagine what he could have done had he not been dumb yeah. and gotten suspended or and, and thrown away that race. That's two races he threw away. He could easily be right in the middle of that, like 10, 
20 points out right now and he still exactly. could make it on points i mean but he you are right though he made it harder on, on himself not because of the colorado injury i mean that's uh, you know obviously but i mean because of getting suspended and throwing away those two races there no well and for sure i i saw i can't remember how it was done but like points scored per race he's right up there with the top guys like he's he is running as fast as he ever does it's just it, it it's been like a series of unfortunate events this year yeah, but uh, now he's starting to get that confidence back too. Talking to him post race and stuff, I'd asked him about like I mean because there were races. I mean, Danny asked him after the Darlington one, and you know it was it felt like it was back to that um uh, to that old I hate it for my guys phase of his career. You know, it's he's like it's not the team, it's me basically is what he was saying. But now he's starting to get that confidence back, and you know a confident Chase Elliott. I mean, is a championship is a championship caliber guy. So well, be on the lookout. Finishing out. I do want to finish out on Nashville on this one because I do think personally this was the best overall weekend this track has had since coming back. Uh, I thought the truck race was pretty good. Uh, I thought the Xfinity race, while chaotic, had good racing when it was not wrecking all over the place. And the cup race we talked about with it. Uh, so, Danny, you kind of brought it up in your hot take. The what do you see when it comes to the future of this track? Because many have talked about it can coexist with the fairgrounds. It could There could be two races in the area. Uh, a lot of people I've seen have started to turn a more positive note on this track. What, as the, the person, I think, who's been the longest supporter of this track, um, do, do you find yourself more supported now than, than ever? Or, or what, what do you see as the future of this track? Yeah, I'm just looking up something here real quick to get my facts right on this. So currently the Nashville Fairground Speedway and Nashville Super Speedway are 35 miles apart from each other, 38-minute drive. So, you know, one one could argue, uh, oh, why do you need the fairgrounds if there's a perfectly working track right there? Well, they're not that close. One serves more as a, you know, more convenient to the folks that live out in Lebanon or Sumner County or something like that, and you can drive in from from downtown Nashville. The other is more okay. This is a different, completely different track, short track in the middle of downtown Nashville that offers more convenience to that downtown aspect that a lot of people are looking for. You put these tracks in different times of the year. Well, that's convenient for you know different parts of the Nashville uh, market and scheduling. Uh, my my theory is and always has been bristol sorry we can't save the spring day it was horrible back in 2018 2019 um covid washed everything in 2020 2021 through this year we've tried dirt um i talked to a guy who works for bristol he said he would like to personally see bristol dirt get one more try not on easter to really just try to get a full look at what it can be, kind of like it was in its very first year. But that was skewed because still limited capacity crowd due to the pandemic. So really that one still has a lot of factors to it. But in my opinion, it has not worked out. I would say it's time to just scrap the spring date at Bristol altogether. If we can get the fairgrounds back, I would say put the Bristol spring date in the fairgrounds keep this Nashville date where it is. I think it's just fine, especially as a night race. I would think moving to the night race was the best call. It was pretty good in 2022 when it happened by accident. Really great this time around. And then obviously keep the Bristol night race. I think that one's going to stay 
whether you keep it in the playoffs or still in the summertime, it needs to be somewhere in that range. And that would be my Tennessee trio right there. The Tennessee, Tennessee state flag has a tri-star. Well, we have a tri-star of track, so to speak. What do you think? I like that. I heard uh, and time on that note. I I don't think Danny's idea is a bad idea. I, I love Bristol. I would really hate to see, Bristol go away completely like whether it's the dirt race or just a normal spring race I, I I love Bristol but I also understand that what I love may not be what everybody else loves and at this point the economy of NASCAR may not support two Bristol dates dirt or concrete so uh I'm okay with what Danny said they're going to Bristol just once make it the night race still sell over 100,000 tickets make it look beautiful on TV um and I like the idea of trying both the fairgrounds and the super speedway. Now, all three of these Tennessee tracks, this Tennessee trio that Danny's talking about are all owned by SMI. And I heard on a, a Jordan Bianchi on the teardown podcast kind of just threw out the suggestion. What if SMI sold like a season ticket, like season pass to the two Nashville races, maybe throw the Bristol race in there. Maybe, maybe that one work. doesn't work because it's probably cool. going to be packed. No, I, I, I could still see it working because yeah. for, for, you've had, You've had, you know, Bristol for years, Bristol season tickets. Well, mm-hmm. just do a Tennessee, Tennessee trio season. Yeah. I'm just saying there's ways to market it and there's ways to potentially sell it because, you know, if Nashville Fairgrounds gets renovated, what's the attendance going to be like 30,000? Uh, the Super Speedway is at around 40,000. With, like, with, with the renovations, I think it's really close to what the Super Speedway holds. If it's up to 40,000, you know, I, I think we can sell 40,000 tickets twice a year in Nashville. I think so. I'm a little more hesitant then, but, but I, yeah, I think if you bring the fairgrounds back, that will sell out first couple of years. No problem. No issue. If Phoenix can sell out every year, uh, I think the fairgrounds will sell out if it's been renovated. I do worry if attendance at the super speedway will then suffer. So they'll have to find a nice place on the schedule for the super speedway because it will, even though would, the racing has been great the last two years, I just feel like convenience and facility, it's going to fall to second fiddle. I was really worried after last year because I felt like and ultimately, there were some storms that kind of affected it, but the crowd, even beforehand, just looking at it on Ticketmaster, it felt like it had definitely dropped from the year before. This year, it spiked back up. And I think one thing, moving it off of Father's Day weekend, making that the bye week, I think that helped the Nashville day to get pretty much a full crowd there at Nashville. Well, also the time changed as well. Yeah. It made a big difference. Darian, I want to know yeah. from, from somebody who works at the fairgrounds what your thoughts are on it too. I, it's it's interesting how we actually have a bit of a dynamic with this with yeah. each one of us. So what what from like a fairgrounds perspective would you want to see or do you think would work in this? I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like if you were to put it on the Cup Series schedule, I mean, first off, a lot still needs to happen with the track renovations and stuff. There's people that are for it, and then there's people that are against it. You've seen them on social media recently and stuff, but, you know, spreading, you know, false information, you know, false narratives, you know, information completely out of context, you know, that sort of thing. The, so the, the care and spell of a C. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, they exist, but. I mean, outside of that, though, it seems like most of the of the Nashville public is for this for this date. Obviously, you need to there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be done. Obviously, you know, from the from the grandstands, the scoreboards um, um, or yeah, yeah, uh, the boards or whatever. Um, you need safer barriers at the track. But then also too, the the, the size is, you know, it's it, it might be a deal breaker for some as well as far as uh, renovating and stuff, because. You know, not only do you have these low income housing uh, apartments that are being built right next to it in the middle, uh, like there's also a, a soccer stadium as well. So they're trying to renovate the entire complex into this modernized, you know, sports thing or whatever. So 
I feel like if you are able to, you know, renovate the, you know, the entire track, let's say get, you know, 30 to 35,000, you know, seats in there roughly, um, you know, I, I don't know about a points race yet per se, but I could totally see it as like an R as an all-star race at first. And then eventually, you know, proceed to being a, a points race. But I think at this point, the Nashville market has proved itself at this point. I mean, like Nashville super speedway. I mean, that was the best race we've had since its return uh, in the cup series. But, you know, it's not a track where, you know, you're going to expect it, you know, total chaos and stuff or, you know, like a Daytona or a Talladega. It's, it's more of a driver's track. And I think the fans understand that. But even, you know, with these tracks, um, even with, you know, some of the spread out racing we had seen um, from time to time over the past weekend, I mean, it's still sold out. Fans were into it. So why wouldn't they be into the uh, short track? Of course, we have to fix a short track package. But I do feel that's, Nashville is working. That's why I'm a little concerned. It's like, okay, if if things don't go the right direction, I, I I said for a while, I think SMI, the reason they bought Dover in the first place was not for Dover. It was for Nashville. They they wanted that opportunity to have the fairgrounds in their like in possession in their back pocket, but have an option in case it doesn't work. And by doing this, they may have accidentally, with this new package, they may have accidentally discovered a better option if the short track package doesn't get to what we need. Well, so I'm going to kind of step in here, and, and maybe maybe this is where I come in with the pessimism a little bit, uh, but I'm still actually pretty positive about, about it overall. Um, I think of the four of us, I was probably on the low end of confidence for the Super Speedway heading into this weekend, but you know, I, I noted it in Eric's vlog. Uh, I said it over the weekend in post-race streams, stuff like this. The, the 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 track did really well to make it an experience throughout the weekend. And I th- I didn't see it as much the first two years, but they had plenty of drivers out there on Sunday, and there were plenty of drivers out there the other days. Uh, the racing was good. Uh, the the parking and traffic was really improved. Um, where I I question it long term is that market value. Like, like what, what is the market going to value NASCAR at? Not, you know, a year or two from now, not when the hype is there for the track. It's when the hype dies down. Uh, what, what's the, what is that kind of long-term goal with it? Uh, the fairgrounds, I believe their deal that they're trying to work out is to have it like that they're contracted, have X amount of years over the span of 30 years. And it, it would work really well to do every other year. And, I I would think for a little while, two dates would work. I think there'd be enough hype and excitement. I think there'd be enough good graces, uh, good grace from NASCAR and NASCAR fans outside of, of watching it just at the track. I, I think it could work. I think, though, long-term, the better play would be to interchange them back and forth. Uh, if the fairgrounds gets that that Bristol date for a while, and then they have to move dates around for other markets, which is what they've been pushing for to get into as many markets as possible, that might be a good play for it. Just because, yes, they can probably sell seventy, eighty thousand seats for a while, but if with NASCAR the way it's at now, I don't see that being something long term, unless NASCAR is firmly ingrained in that Nashville and Nashville area culture the way something like the Titans are now. Um, that That's that's where my reservation is with it. So I think short-term, yes. Long-term, changing back and forth. Plus with city government and all that stuff being involved with the fairgrounds, it might take longer to make changes to the fairgrounds year over year than it would 
year over two years. Let's not forget Nashville is consistently, when you look at the market breakdowns, consistently Nashville is usually very high in the percentage of where views are coming from. I know. Yeah, yeah, but the views on TV compared to those who would go out to the track, especially after the hype dies down, that's that's where I my worry is with it long term. That's a good that's good point. I will say compared to other years, I feel like I did see a lot more people camping at this one, some local campers, but a lot of people just came in from way out of town to come check out this track too. So I think there's some potential and like like I said, Nashville is a destination city. A lot of people want an excuse to travel and go to Nashville. Racing racing in Nashville could be that excuse for some people. Yeah, and you know, looking at the market sizes, whether you know Nashville deserves two dates, or if you want to enter, if you want to you know switch them up, you know, year by year. I mean, looking at the market size out of all these, like you know, Nashville's you know top thirty, and specifically you know twenty seventh out of the all the you know markets with a major league sports team and stuff. So you know, I, I feel like you know the fan base is there. You know, whether you know you go with two races or you know, like Jared said, you know, switch them up year by year. You know, the market's there. I feel like it deserves, you know, you know, either, you know, one or two tracks on this on the cup schedule per season. So, Selfishly, so, could you guys imagine how I would feel in this scenario if we got two dates in Nashville at two separate tracks, Bristol, and then so let's say hypothetically this uh, new Flat Rock Motorsports Park, let's say give them an Xfinity date instead of, uh, <laughs> instead of going all the way to Oregon. Uh, I think that's they pushing would, it. Yeah, they would go all out with that. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I just NASCAR has went too far before. I, I think there's there's ambition and there's every race in Tennessee all the time. We'll, we'll <laughs> cover covered by NWP every week. Well, we got we got we got five F one tracks to choose from, but we got to move on from this. I think I think that there's a good conversation to be had here, uh, including in the chat, which. Uh, 51% say they want two tracks for the Nashville area. Uh, 19%, that's a second for the Super Speedway. Every other year, 17%. Fairgrounds is the lowest voted at yeah. uh, 13%. Uh, but I do think, yeah, mo- to kind of move past the cup race, or, or at least talking about that side, uh, we do have a little bit more uh, to talk about that's been released so far this week, as well as what you guys at home think of it. Uh, so I guess Darian, I'll I'll jump into uh the ratings really quick. Go ahead. Uh, and those super chats will be right at the top of the hour. Uh, so this race got a one point eight three rating with three point two one one million viewers. The rating was up one percent over twenty twenty two's non rain affected portion of the race that was run on NBC. Viewership up ten percent year over year. Uh, 565,000 in the key demo, which is down 4.4% from 2022's edition of this race. Um, but that's what those, at least at home, were watching, Darian. And yes, oh, now it's time for, it's time for the poll, the famous iceberg poll on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. Well, looking at what people thought, 28% said this was a great race. said it was good. So 82% of you were positive this week. 14% of you said it was average. 3% below average. And only 2% said it was bad, meaning 5% net negative. Uh, The first comment, bordering on on that level of of how long a comment we will read on here, but we will read this one. (laughs) Um, But from Spencer Purcell, is it positive, negative, or meme? 
I'll go, po- I'll go with positive. If, if, positive. It was, if, if it was that long, that and it's fast meme. All right. Spencer says that start of stage two with the leaders going three wide oh, for like no. three laps and keeping it clean. That was awesome racing right there along with some good racing for the rest of the night. Also, NBC doing a better job after one race than Fox did the entire season. And that's saying something. Yeah, see, it's positive. Yeah. Definitely definitely not a man. He just had that copied and ready to go. <laughs> and also, for those who were complaining about NBC not having a pre-race on Sunday, it wasn't their fault, by the way, just for the record. Yeah, some people have said there could be intention to honestly start it right at around the time of the uh, of the prayer national anthem. That we'll see on that. But no, it was it was only because we had to push it up early, which ended, ended up it never even rained a drop at the speedways. That was well, the funny part. Yeah. Didn't they only push it forward like ten minutes though? It was fifteen mm-hmm. minutes. I thought it was like it, uh, it was like it was like seventeen to twenty minutes. I think they, they uh, that were... tells me NBC wasn't planning on doing a pre-race show at all to begin but with. I don't know how to feel about this. Maybe this is a conversation to, to have, but I, I I feel like I would want more post-race and not as much of the pre-race. But See, yeah. I I think. Why not both? I, I, ratings are higher for pre-race than post-race. I, I don't like. I, I don't mean to. I know that. I know the popular theory. The popular opinion this week is NBC's great. NBC's great. And yes, their broadcast way better than just about anything Fox put out this year. But the lack of pre-race is BS. Like, what the hell? Like, you gotta have more pre-race I, I, than that. How do we know if ratings are good when we haven't been getting post-race? Well, I, I'll say this with it. Uh, I think personally, thirty minutes of pre-race is fine. I just think the pre-race invocation should be in pre-race. I mean, most most weekends, unless it's a big event, and maybe this this event could uh, be classified as a big event just because of the of where they're at. Um, but I think that getting the storylines done really quick, not having to bu- put a bunch of stupid filler in or a bunch of like fluff pieces that honestly nobody cares about. Um, but having pre-race invocations during the pre-race show and then the start of the broadcast is the start. You know, or the last pace lap, and they go green from there would be a lot better because there's so many. I, what other? I, I would say, what other sporting leagues do you watch where you have 20 to 30 minutes of pre-race during the main broadcast on top of a or pre-game on top of a pre-game show? I I I personally think pre-race shows should be their own thing and the pre-race stuff should be in it so that the actual racing is the broadcast and we have a wider window. I, the only thing well, I, I'm not sure. Think. I'm not sure we disagree. So what you're saying is like if the race, what I'm saying is that the race is scheduled to start at six, yes. like the Nashville race was. And that means they're actually going to go green at about 615, 620. Yes. They went green at 605 because they moved it up 15 minutes. I'm saying at 530, on NBC, it should be countdown to green. And then at six, they transition into their main broadcast. Hi, and welcome to Nashville Super Speedway. Let's go trackside for the ceremonies. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm just saying no, the fact that they didn't I, have 30 cer- minutes. Ceremony should be in the pre-race. It, it, it It's time-wasting when it comes to getting the window in. You could have an extra 10 to 15 minutes of the window itself start at the start of the broadcast. Start within me, five minutes of the broadcast starting because because we we complain about races pushing the window, but then we have fifteen minutes of pre race in the race window itself. I and you, well, could I, but they bake that into. I'm sure they bake that into the window. Like they they'll give it a three instead of a. So you know, right now they give it a three and a half hour window because mm-hmm. they know there's twenty minutes of pre race. They'll just lower the window to three hours, knowing that they're. I, I don't think that really matters. I mean. So, I, 
I, I, I think condensing pre-race to having the most important storylines, having the stuff that is all pre-race, and then say maybe the pace laps is the start of the window would be a, it would be a lot easier I think especially for newer fans to grab onto because if you're somebody who watches Chicago this weekend tune in maybe halfway through and then you want to tune into Atlanta and you're like all right race says it's starting at 7 and the race doesn't start for like 20 30 minutes and you're going through these fluff pieces or you're going through like prayer or whatever and again if you're bringing in new fans they probably don't care about the same stuff that that normal fans do uh, you could easily get that crap done in the pre-race show and just kind of then yeah i mean put it I, in that window that's I fine with it. me i'm just saying there should be like if if they want to go green at 605 610 that's fine i'm saying they just need to have coverage before then for people that who want to it doesn't like if, if we're arguing over like should the green flag be at 7 or 620 or 605 then yeah okay it could be a 605 i have no problem with that they just need 30 minutes of pre-race coverage i don't care where you fit it in but there should be 30 minutes of pre-race coverage that, that's what i'm saying that that little bit there should add into it and it should just be a condensed 25 minute thing i mean you, you, the 30 minute window you have your little fluff pieces, you have your BS picks, you have all this stuff that will not happen in the race because they're always wrong, and then you get the pre-race stuff, and the the window is the race. It, it, that way, yeah. if you want to tune in, I, you know it's before that window, and you're not having to... Because how many that's times... Fine. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I, I, there's I a guess much better I, way I, I think that can be d- done of this I, that I hope they do. Sure. I'm just, I'm used to baseball where, you know, it says seven, it's actually seven ten. basketball. It says seven, it's actually seven ten. NASCAR, it says seven, it's actually seven fifteen. I'm like, it's just not really, I don't, I don't know why we're it's, arguing it's about this. I don't think it's that big a deal. It's like seven twenty five. It's like, if it's se- new, okay. Yeah. They do. In some cases it is laps. Sure. If they drag it out, you're right. They should, they should move that a little closer. I agree with you there. I don't know. I've, I just think NASCAR. We spent a lot of time arguing over five minutes. That was a good combo. But, but, but we're used to dinosaur Wait. coverage. We need. Hold on, Danny. Can, 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 Danny, can, can I get go a ahead. word in? I've go been ahead, Danny. To forever now. Go ahead, Danny. <laughs> uh, basically, what Jarrett is saying will not impact the at track experience. It'll only impact what you see on TV. What I can compare this to is of college football. So you'll have read a four-hour college game day on ESPN, and I still end up tuning in because it's a lazy Saturday. I, it's kind of cooler outside. It's getting in the fall. Turn that on. I'm enjoying that for a little while. And then by the time that they have – that uh, Pat McAfee and all of them have made their picks right before they go off the air, I'm going to use my team. We're seeing the, the Tennessee Vols linked up. They're, they're swinging. They're getting ready to come out of tee. By the time I flip over to the channel that the game is on, here comes the Tennessee Vols out of the tee. We're getting ready to play football right then and there. That's kind of what Jared is saying. Yep. Put all that stuff on, can, can, together in, pre, in a pre-race show, and then we just get straight to racing. Or yeah, like I don't NFL. disagree with that. My whole thing was we had – and I know it was slightly abbreviated because of the rain out, but it was no coverage anywhere. You couldn't find coverage on USA Network, Peacock. There's oh, nothing until they were basically on the pace laps. And I'm saying that's the problem. I, just, and, like, I don't care. If you want to start the race closer to 7 o'clock or closer to the advertised start time, I'm totally fine with that. I just... Like I don't want us to just get rid of the thirty minutes of pre race. Oh, like as a kid, I love that build up. I, I love hearing what Chris Myers had to say and that, Jeff Hammond. You know, I don't want to just get rid of that. That's the thing. As when we were kids, that was the thing. And I, y'all might hate me for saying this, but doing this could help appeal to the YouTube TikTok generation in a sense that you know a YouTube video. I don't want to wait 
10 minutes to hear this guy spiel on a video if I've never seen him before. I don't I don't care about this sponsor. He's got to plug in there. But if I've clicked on, I want to see the top five Disney rides. I don't care about his life story mm-hmm. before. Get straight in and tell me the top five Disney rides. People who are obsessed with TikTok and YouTube, they want to get right to it. If that, that could help with that. Yeah, that's right. So started at Green Flag at 705, 710. But at 6.30, I want a pre-race show. And the anthem can be over by 7. That's fine. But I want a pre-race show. That's all I'm saying. I don't, I'd, I'd we spent it. 20 minutes on this. I, well, I know. I, just, I, I would love – I. that was the thing I noticed when I went to the, the Viking game last year is like the, the game was advertised for noon central. We were kicking off at noon central. Yeah. Whereas yeah. NASCAR, is, it's, there's that window, especially during football season – that 25 minute window where somebody who's new goes, screw this. I'm turning on football. And, and also I can confirm just one final thing to add. I can also confirm just like on the local short track scene, like they're pretty strict with like their start times. Like if we're starting at six, like, no, the green flag's going to come out right at six o'clock. You know, <laughs> I switched NASCAR. We're more strict as far as the, those time zones, like I the see, local tracks are. See in the chat. Some of them were like, Danny, that should have been your hot take. And then some people are like, well, he's got a point. Uh, <laughs> I, I see the chat's enjoying it, uh, but mm-hmm. getting into what the chat said, as I, I believe this was still the the poll section, the famous iceberg poll. <laughs> uh, the, the the number one comment was from Steve eighty eight forty four zero one, who said, "Awesome race! Happy to see a mostly clean race with comers and goers, and no bull crap overtime at the end." <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. It was good. Just let the race happen. Uh, DK. 2337 says, not the biggest Chastain fan, but it was a pretty good race. A bit boring in the middle, but not a complete snooze fest. Congrats to Ross and Trackhouse. Mm-hmm. See, I'll read one more towards the top here. Uh, top Cuber says, very sad about what happened to Harvick. He blew a tire at the worst possible time. Yeah, he's doing all that team caring. I just, it came yeah. back to haunt him again, you know? Always doing the team care. He had a good long run car like Chastain. Like he might have been a factor mm-hmm. if that yeah. didn't happen. He did. Uh, let's see. Ross crash stain put. Yeah, boy. <laughs> really, really long. <laughs> it's uh, funny. I thought he's been making fun of Ross Chastain this whole yeah. time. But apparently, he's a big Ross Chastain he's been fan. A fan. Yeah, he's been a fan the whole time. He tricked us. <laughs> our biggest people of critiquing are our biggest <laughs> fans. <laughs> I, I will say it's a pretty good fan base to be so introspective. Uh, looking here, uh, one says didn't get to watch because of the tornadoes. I, I did see that was something. Oh too yeah, see, that that takes precedent. That's important. Yeah, no, I don't want to play with that. Oh, screw the safety on Minecraft. Watch the racing <laughs> instead. Or if you or if you live in the Midwest, I'll just look outside and see if it's coming. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, I'm not going to read one. I'm down to the gutter right now, and there's so many people. Man, uh, the gutter is clogged with these long-ass comments. Uh, <laughs> uh, back when it was like because they're too long. Remember back when it was like copy pastas of lyrics and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, I remember those days, the good old days. Uh, well, let's see what we got here. So Caleb here says, no way people actually enjoy that race. The only good thing about it was the fact that it's the first race of the year not on Fox. That's about it. See, that's the problem with some of this fan base. Like, that was actually a legit good race at a track that's a driver's track. And some of y'all don't like it, man. I don't get it. So you just want to see chaos. I mean, if you just want to see chaos, that's fine. But don't say a race sucks just because there wasn't a whole lot of chaos. in it. Uh, And then this other one says just Ross Chastain. 
Oh, that one got to slam. Thumb down. <laughs> thumb down automatically. And, thumb that down. and then the lowest of the low, the guttery of the gutter says, <laughs> or the gutterist of the gutter says <laughs> from, uh, this one says, modern NASCAR sucks. Well, apparently that got very much disliked. Yeah, of course. Okay. Of course it is. Um, we got another race or two to talk about really quick. We can go through the Xfinity race pretty quick uh, as we are in a train wreck that is basically the Xfinity race in verbal showing. Uh, AJ Allmendinger getting the win. Guys, what's your main, like, what's your main takeaway from that? I, I don't care who uh, goes first. Go, go well, with it. Well, first off, thank you, Eric. Speaking of the Xfinity series, thank you, Eric, for finally sending your scheme my way. Appreciate finally it. Got, appreciate it, the got them all in. Yeah, yeah it's cool. Mine is back here. Thank you. Yeah, so I appreciate that. But first off, that was a uh, complete shit show for those first few laps. I mean, what the hell was going on there? It just felt like caution after caution after caution. And then once we finally got settled in, we got some racing. But, oh, my gosh, like that race should have ended way earlier, if not for those cautions. But Hey, you know what? Props to AJ Allmendinger. You know, I mean, like, yeah, he gets a, you know, Cup Series driver, but he gets the W on a on an oval. Um, but Riley Herbst, man. Hey, if 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 that caution didn't come out before the final restart, I mean Herbst was looking like he was gonna pass him there for for a moment there, but then all of a sudden the caution comes out. And then speaking to him afterwards, you could just tell. I mean, that was his that was his first race with his new crew chief. And remember, he had that amazing start to the year where he had that top ten streak going, mm-hmm. and then it sort of and then it basically fizzled out. But now, hey, maybe he's uh you know on the upswing again. So props to him, and props to Sam Mayer for getting a third place finish as well. Yeah, I thought the Xfinity race it was kind of two different halves. They started to clean things up the second half, but uh, I was just you know to me it looked like the best few cars guy like Ty Gibbs was probably the best car was going to probably go off and win that race until he got wrecked by Austin Hill. I was mad about that. That was my pick mm-hmm. to win. So you're welcome, chat. You better think. Austin Hill for for, the, for that, yeah. um, but uh, but now there was a couple of big wrecks that took out the contender, so it was kind of an attrition battle early on. But once you know, once the dust settled, um, yeah, I mean, I I don't have much else to say. It was kind well, of Sheldon Shel- Shel- Creed's a fool. Remember, Sheldon yeah, Creed's a fool. I've, I've already dwelled on that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to pick on Sheldon Creed too bad. Hey, don't bad. say you're going to wreck someone on the radio because at first it looked like an accident, but now I thought it was an accident the, at first. Yeah, yeah. But hey, Sheldon Creed was good, but hey, Sheldon, you got caught. You've snitched on yourself, buddy. You can't say that on the radio. You can't. You, you played yourself. Well, yeah. Well, he he didn't get suspended though, did he? No, no, no. Just fine and lost so, some points uh, though. Hey, so got away with it. Uh, and then the truck race, guys. Uh, mm. Carson Hosevar got the win in this one, but I think the big conversation that at least I'm, I remember in my post-race stuff took off was Haley Deacon. Now, I'm going to sound probably pretty crass with it here, but the big question that everyone kept posting, posing to me was, is Haley Deacon a NASCAR bust? Now, Right now, yes. yes. I want to pull up some of these numbers uh, for her. Because I don't want to just go off of one bad mistake, uh, but that is uh, people were saying that that mistake. Well, it's a truck series. That's a mistake that is, I think is doesn't matter. The series is pretty egregious to make to hit the apron, hit the corner wrong, cause a crash. I want to read off her truck stats right now and and what she's done. And yes, I get she's been in the back, but when you're in the back, you kind of make your own luck. You're you're back there with the squirrels. You get your nuts cracked. And looking at Haley Deegan. In 59 races, he has four top 10s. That is a top 10 rate of 6.8%. Looking at those 59 races, she has, let's see, 13 
DNFs. That is a DNF rate of 22%. Lead lap finish rate so far is at 51% in the truck series. Yes, I get it. You know, it's it's not something that's going to translate easily cup uh, to, to trucks as much as Xfinity to cup would. Uh, but a 21st place average finish, there's been little to no improvement is with that knowledge in mind. Uh, Eric, I'll start with you on this one. Is Haley Deegan at the moment a NASCAR bust? No, because once you bust, you can't come back from that. And I don't think until Deegan is basically out of the sport or is riding around in like a BK racing style ride, I, I don't think you can confidently say she's a bust. She's obviously underwhelmed and you just kind of rattle off her stats year to year. She has not improved whatsoever. Um, but I mean, it is the truck series. If you run back there 15th to 20th, you're, it, you know, I think you are kind of out. It is somewhat out of your control. In this case, this weekend, she made the mistake. It was a bad mistake, deserved to be uh, called out for it. But I mean, until she's out of it, she's only 21 years old. I mean, we keep that in mind as well. Until she's like just out of the sport, uh, I can't call her a bust. She's trending that direction right now, no doubt. But, you know, she did make one Xfinity start last year and ran really well finished 13th so eric, eric harrison from Bur- last week she needs to be winning races at eight years old don't you remember this uh, yeah I, harrison burton all i know is i compared look at harrison burton he couldn't do anything in a kbm truck looked worthless out there goes to jgr and xfinity and won four races in a single year like I, all i'm saying is maybe the right scenario uh the right series the cars the trucks handle differently I'm not going to call her a bust until she's out of the sport or until she's really done. Cause you can't bust and then seal yourself back up and, you know, be back in one piece. So you, you gotta, I think you gotta wait until you're 100%. Like she's just got, she's not going forward anymore. She's still going forward. Like she went from DGR to arguably a better team in Thor sport. So in a way she is still moving forward. She has not, you know, taken that big step back yet. Uh, I got to disagree with you here, Eric. I mean, just based off the hype alone. I mean, look, take a look at Danica's career. I mean, like she's considered one of the biggest busts too. I mean, just based off of the hype. And, you know, this is a lot different because, you know, NASCAR, you know, they try to market these younger drivers and stuff. They try to scram them down our throats basically as, hey, these are the drivers you should be rooting for. I mean, look, this is a fact. Natalie Decker has more truck series top fives than Haley Deegan does. That's a fact. That is a fact. I know it's a Daytona fluke, you know, Daytona fluke top five, but still more than Deegan right now. And what kills this whole argument about, oh, it's the truck series. Oh, you know, she's young. It's a lot different. Okay. I get that. And I've had conversations with Ryan Vargas about, you know, um, the truck series and Xfinity series, like the way you drive them are extremely different. But here's what kills that argument for me nowadays. Corey Heim, Carson Hosevar. You know, Zane Smith, and the list goes on and on and on of young drivers who are currently thriving in the truck series, you know, whether it's part-time or full-time. And, you know, like you just said, Deegan is still progressing team by team, you know, was with DGR Crosley for a few years, and now she's with Thor Sport, one of the best organizations in all the truck series with a former championship trucks, uh, with a former truck series championship crew chief. you know, just based off of the hype and, and the results. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a mismatch right now. And then, you know, you have this mistake here, you know, third year in the truck series and you're doing this. Come on, man. And now I, I do think, you know, based off of the funding and, you know, the hype and stuff. And yes, while she is still 21, she, the reality is I think we'll see here in the Xfinity series very soon. So for some of the fan base, they're going to hold out hope that she'll eventually, you know, 
find your uh, catch a um, catch a more consistent rhythm in the Xfinity series. But right now, based off of the hype, the statistics, and the team she's driving for, she's a bust right now. All right, and there's no way around it. Even though it seemed like there was not a lot of places to go of Toyota, looking back on it, I think one of her biggest mistakes was getting out of the Toyota program. I feel like she was developing a little bit better with them. And now we've just seen her honestly just struggle and the opportunity that she's gotten so far. And even though, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to tend to lean towards, yeah, she's a bust right now. I do think just need to get her out of the truck series altogether and move her up into Xfinity series and get a better understanding of if it is, is it the series or is it her? And again, because if she can, if she can, change my mind in, an, in another series maybe there's still hope but at this point i don't think that series is the right fit for her so far and again it's key words right now i mean eric had said earlier um, he said something i don't really agree with that okay if you're a bust then you know you can't come back from that i disagree i mean we've seen you know drivers over the years let's say chastain know, was a well, bust well well i wouldn't call him chastain i mean he just you know he just drove for you know underfunded teams i would yeah, say more so that. like I mean, I would say more so, for example, in the Cup Series strictly. I mean, Brian Vickers with Hendrick, I mean, didn't really work out too much there. I mean, he wasn't terrible, terrible, but he didn't win a whole lot of races and stuff. You might consider that a bust. And then Daniel and Suarez early in his career, Martin maybe. Truex Jr. early on. Yeah. Truex, other you than could. seven, was not very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Daniel Suarez is, isn't a bad. That's a good example of someone who like was on a positive trajectory, Gibbs, and even though that didn't work out, he still ends up at SHR mm-hmm. and then gone brothers and now track house. So there is a peak and valley there. You're right. But I just, when I hear bust to me, that's like finite. Like Greg Oden in the NBA was a bust. Oh, but injuries, lot, never yeah. played, never yeah. got any, like just never went. Anywhere. That is a clear and obvious bust. In NASCAR, you know, I just think, you know, if you're going to call someone a bust, that means they have no future they're they're past their prime they're not going to get those opportunities again aj 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 almondinger someone just probably a good example (laughs) yeah yeah you could argue i could easily say almondinger was considered a bust i I see i see where you're going with this arrogant stuff but like i don't know i just feel like you know motorsports i i guess like i don't know just to me it's a lot different yeah, I guess you to know, me, like, I wouldn't have called Su- I didn't call Suarez a bust either. He was a tr- Xfinity Series champion, and you know, three, four years after that, he was with Gaunt Brothers. Like, you know, that's such a short period of time. He could have still rallied, bounced back. We all agreed he was rushed to Cup early because of the Carl Edwards deal. So, you know, in, you get like I, I think it's just your definition of bust. My definition of bust is different than yours. I've been consistent right. on that. You've been inconsistent on yours. So that's I'd, yeah, yeah, that's just yeah. fine. I'd yeah. say if 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 because I I think I didn't give the right. Phrasing, I would say, because I would say so far, I think she, that she is a bust at the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. I think my big problem is, and it's the same problem I've I've had with so many drivers. It is, and and I, I don't think we're giving any here when we say it, but she gets so many excuses thrown her way. She and, does. And That's true. If we're gonna judge her the way we judge every other driver, which I think we are right now, uh, she is currently on the trajectory to have the worst season for a Thor sport driver since 2008 was Shelby mm-hmm. Howard, who at the moment, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Howard had a 19th place average finish. So she's actually probably on average finishing worse. Uh, now Ooh. I know not everything's her fault, uh, but like I said, you make your own luck when you're running 25th every week. She And she's moved to a better team the better crew chief, and she's performed the same. To me, that's regression. But like, also, if, if you're too, going to a better this... team and you're doing worse than that worst team that, that you did, it's either 
something's completely wrong or or you're regressing in some way and mm-hmm. you don't see that with other drivers over and uh, oddly enough the, the team she just left tricon i feel like we could always have that comparison of there's a girl that seemingly replaced another girl that we're mm-hmm. seeing deegan replaced natalie decker uh now bridinger is getting in after deegan's departed and mm-hmm. bridinger hasn't ran a ton of races but she hasn't really done that bad in my opinion so far. yeah she really hasn't and one final thing before we move on and stuff i mean just again you know the performance is one thing but the hype is another again this is why i've said for years nascar you need to be careful marketing these younger drivers and stuff okay i feel like a, a driver like rajak ruth has like handled it perfectly because again when you have the freaking president saying like oh he's a surefire thing take it to the bank i'm like what are you doing that for you're not supposed yeah. to be doing that let it happen naturally but i mean so far this year rajak ruth has handled it perfectly um you know he's almost won some races here and there and he, stuff. he has it, like two had, i wanted to get off Deegan a little yeah, yeah i wanted to get off Deegan a little because you know by contrast, Raja has shown steady improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Even though he's not won this week, it looked like just bad luck. He might have been in contention for the win. Like Nick you know, Sanchez I, I, has done good. Yeah, Nick Sanchez, Sanchez well. he's yeah. fired off really strong this year, seemingly from the get-go. Uh, and obviously, Carson Hostovar is showing growth this year now with two wins. Um, I also want to give a shout out to my boy Bailey Curry with the second. Top oh five yeah, I almost forgot. Yeah, he yeah. did a really good run. Um, so there Bailey's are drivers in trucks that are going from being fifteenth to top five. Deegan hasn't proven that yet. So, you know, like I said, she's been underwhelming. She's trending that direction, but just my definition of bust is a more permanent definition. And uh, okay. I, I can't say she's completely done because she's still, I think she could still improve the same way in 2019, 2020. I thought Daniel Suarez could still improve a little bit. And I mean, I guess maybe he has made the playoffs. Once. Hey, we'll just give it give it a little more time. But again, you know, like I, I had said at, at the very start of the year, no more excuses. This is the third year in the truck series. So how much more time do we need? You know, but hey, only time will tell. The, you know? the, the thing with Deegan is, though, no matter it's really what is she want to do, I think, because she will have funding. And at the end of the day, that's what these teams need. They need that green money coming in. And as long as she's got a way to get it, she'll always have a chance to do whatever she wants. So really it's what does she want to do? Cause that's, that's the most important part. Now there is a limit, you know, will a, will a, no matter the money, will, will a, will a, will a owner want to see their car consistently get wrecked. But for the time being, she, she could race as long as she wants to, or she can take her following and go do whatever she wants to on YouTube just because she's that established of a star now. And to end off, thank you all for spamming some ghosts in the chat for Bailey yeah, Curry. I, okay, I was wondering and, what that was. Yeah, and uh, Darian, we got we got something else that we got to kind of spam the chat really quick with. It's real quick, but I want to hear it. We've had some weird weather here. Oh, yes, that's right. And it's the Lightning Round on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. Jared, what do we have on tap for tonight? Not too much. So these three were all tweeted from Adam Stern. First off, there is the Bubba Wallace meal from McDonald's to Chicago exclusive this weekend. Pretty cool <laughs> deal there. Uh, yeah. NASCAR's new TV deal, though, is taking a little longer than they thought to finalize Seems like they've moved away from the idea of fully selling the Xfinity series to a streamer. Uh, but but I think the biggest one of these so far for the long term, too, is that talks have begun for Andretti Autosport to come over to NASCAR. Uh, so I think that's going to be interesting. They talked in 2013 at the start of the Gen 6 era about coming in, ended up falling through. Uh, but maybe second time's the charm. And you know what? They'd probably be a lot more welcomed 
Uh, yeah. Blood in the Netflix series. And then last, yeah, yeah, last, sure. last but not least, <laughs> Eric Jones and the 43 team have lost their <laughs> appeal. <laughs> and, uh, right. yeah, oh, man. The, the lightning round ended with a little whimper of thunder there. Bro, that team cannot catch a break, man. And that'll do it for this edition of the famous lightning round on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. And now, back to the show. Well, you know, speaking of going back, let's go back in time, guys, and talk about more of our top 75 drivers list, 45 through 41. We got some oldies, but we got some current guys, too, in here, and I think one of them is going to be a real, real popular driver to talk about here. Uh, There's a lot of guys we grew up with that will be talked about very soon, but first off, let's talk about a guy who is on the older side. Somebody who raced in the 50s and 60s. Somebody who has 21 wins in his 264 cup starts. That first one being at Martinsville. I am talking about our number 45 pick for the list, Jack Smith. So looking at Smith's career uh, and our rankings for him, we were all actually really close together with me at 44th with him and Danny and Eric 43rd with the chat 47. Darian being the straggler at... 51st uh, but looking uh, a little bit more here you know he raced in the first nascar race ever uh and yeah. he also with bud moore was the first driver with his crew and crew chief and team to use two-way radio so guys jack mm. smith i mean 21 wins and just a little over 250 60 starts that's pretty impressive and the first ever Martinsville winner, that really stands out there. But that was really the only monumental race he had won, huh, Jared? Because I don't really see any other. Uh, but, I mean, he won 21 races, though. That's so cool. They're, they're yeah, and he, uh, I mean, he, he's part of that original bootlegger kind of group of, of drivers. I mean, I mean, truly a pioneer of the sport, deserves to be on this list. Um, certainly somewhere in the top 50, top 60. Where would I have him? 40-something? 43rd? I see it now. Mm-hmm. 43rd. Um, yeah, not. I think well-deserved. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I think where we got him is about exactly where Jack Smith needs to be. Uh, Very generic name, if you think about it like that. But uh, but, uh, not a very generic racer, definitely not hard, not, sorry, not easy to get 21 wins. Yeah, definitely one of NASCAR's original heroes in its heyday, for sure. Or, well, I mean, when it first started, excuse me. And (laughs) someone whose career is definitely, I think, for the accolades that he got, didn't get many any real big wins uh per se but definitely kind of went in under the radar uh, mm-hmm. a little bit uh a driver though i think we can move to 44th that did not go under the radar actually he um was somebody that was in tv screens too after his career would be our 44th pick on this list and that is buddy baker now buddy baker hmm. we're all very much uh, in agreement would be in the 40s on here. Everyone has him between 42nd and 43rd with our pick. Uh, but looking at his career, 19 wins spanning from 1959 to 1994. Uh, those last two years, 93, 94, I believe he was only trying for the 500. I don't think he made it. Um, if I remember right, back then they didn't have the past champions and, and past like Daytona mm-hmm. winner and provisional. Uh, but he won the 1980 Daytona 500. And... With the inaugural Bush Clash in 1979, he was actually somebody who was the, well, was someone and was the first who 
almost completed the sweep at Daytona between the Clash, the Duels, and the 500. So Buddy Baker at 44th, guys. Yeah, that's it. I had him at just inside the top 50 at 49. I thought that was a perfect spot for him. Um, I mean, a lot of people, I feel like a lot of the younger generation remembers him as like, oh, he used to be on NASCAR on CBS. But no, as a driver, he was a beast. A 1979 Southern 500 winner, also won the 1980 Daytona 500. He even set like the, you know, the speed record for a while there um, in the late 70s, early 80s at Daytona. And also, oh, oh he also won the Coca-Cola 600 three times wow i didn't even know yeah. that until now so yeah his, uh, his, clearly deserves to be on this uh, um, this portion of the list for sure yeah I, his list of crown jewel accomplishments uh had him high on had him yeah i'm actually a little surprised that me in the chat tied for the highest pick because i i was even looking at my list later on and thought about how buddy baker should maybe be in the top 40 somewhere be in the 30s just because yeah you know he made a lot. I don't know how many starts he made, but it was hundreds. He made a lot of starts. He was around a long time, only 19 wins. If we're talking about like ratios, not a great ratio, but the significant races he won. Uh, I mean, he won almost every major crown jewel there is. And Darian just mentioned it three Coke 600s or world 600s. Like, you know, he won the big races, the big events. Um, so, uh, you know, Buddy Baker absolutely deserving. And us tall guys have to stick together. I believe oh, Buddy yeah. Baker right. is still on record as being the tallest NASCAR driver in history mm. at six foot six. So oh. thumbs up for that. And don't forget about the Grey Ghost scheme. The Grey Ghost scheme, one of the most iconic schemes in all of NASCAR. That was, uh, I think that was Dale Jr.'s, maybe his favorite paint scheme he ever, ever yeah. ran. He, he ran it, I think, a total of. He ran it a total of two times, once in 08, once in 2017. It was supposed to do it in 2016, but the uh, time off prevented that. Yeah. And also Jeff Gordon ran it, too, in 2016. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Buddy Baker, I think a very deserving member of this list. But, guys, we've talked about some of those pioneers. We talked about guys who are older. Let's move forward to somebody we all grew up watching, somebody mm-hmm. who raced all the way into the Gen 6 era from the Gen 4 era, and I'm wow. talking about none other than Jeff Burton, who the mayor. we yeah. varied mightily on ranking Jeff Burton. I had him highest at 39th, uh, but, of course, Danny, Eric, and the chat were all between 40th, uh, 41st, and 43rd. Uh, Darian, I'm going to lead off, before we even get to the accolades, why did you have Jeff Burton 57th? I don't know. I just, you know, <laughs> look at his career, 21 wins. I mean, yeah, you know, top five in points for, you know, a few years there and stuff. So, you know what, maybe I should have had him higher on the list. I don't know. Just at the time, you know, I was trying to sort out, okay, you got, you know, some of these drivers, with, you know, 20 plus wins, but no championship. So where do you put them on that list, you know, without the championships and it, stuff? And then is, is it recency bias? Do you think that's a reason maybe? See, I don't see. I was trying my best not to have as much recency bias with like, you know, some of the drivers or whatever. Respectable. So, yeah. So, you know, that's why I have him so low on the list. But hey, at least he's on the list, right? I mean, that would have been bad if it said HM right there. Yeah. I, look, I just look at, you know, in terms of recency bias, I do consider like the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s to be a bit more competitive. So if you had a lot of success in those years, I, I'd weigh that pretty heavily. Maybe that's recency bias. Uh, I know drivers don't wear as many hats these days as they used to 40, 50, 60 years ago. So maybe I'm wrong. And, in uh, ranking them this way, but Burton, uh, his success in the 90, the late nineties into the two thousands, he was a rookie of the year, uh, 21 wins, you know, wish that number was higher. I think if that number was 25, 28, he'd probably be in the hall of fame conversation. Um, but as it stands now, he, 
I don't know. He might make it in one day, might not. Kind of on that fence. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's never forget Jeff Burton. He nearly got a top 10 in a technically no sponsored car at Bristol in 07 because of the uh, spat yeah. between Nextel and ATT. He actually won that race the next year in 08. Actually, I think he got like two wins that year in 08. That was, that was his last year getting wins, I think. Yep, yep. it was. Yep, Charlie, 08. Yeah. I actually recently watched that Bristol race, and he came, you know, he was up front, but he came out of nowhere uh, getting that win at the end. Uh, but yeah, 21. 21- he, he led two laps in that race. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, 21 wins, finishing top five in points, 97 through 2000. Uh, this is what I found amazing is lo- his longevity in his career. From 1997 through 2013, he finished every season 20th or better in the point standings, no matter how good or bad his team was. Qualified from the cha- uh, in the chase in 2006 through 08 and 2010. And in 1994, he beat guys like his brother Ward he beat Jeremy Mayfield and Joe Nemechek, who was no slouch at the time for the rookie of the year. So I nice. think Dri- driving for Stavola brothers. Yeah. yeah. Je- Jeff Burton deserves a place on this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Now, before we talk about the modern era uh, completely, let's go back again to somebody who did most of his big accomplishments in the sixties raced from the, uh, 40s to the 70s and had some pretty impressive short track stats. But let's move forward to our 42nd pick, Jim Pascal or Pascal. Uh, now, we do have an HM on this one. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious on that one, though. We, we did have it from 37th all the way to 50th, so it was a lot of variation. I, I went back and looked, and I found my written list, and I had him at 44, um, but on my typed out list that I pulled up here, the PDF I have on my doc, I left him out somehow on accident. So <laughs> the one I submitted to you did not have him on the list. I don't know how I, that, I messed that up. Um, but yeah, obviously he's a top 50 driver, 25 wins. He's won the world 600, I think a couple of times. Um, so that's my bad. I think he's the winningest driver. What is it? Is he the winningest driver without a championship to not be in the Hall of Fame? No, it's Carl Edwards no, now who's that record. Yeah, but but Carl, I believe, how does it go? He's the winningest driver to not win a championship that is eligible from like pre-modern era for the Hall of Fame. Something like okay. that. Yeah, he he has he's like as borderline Hall of Famer as it gets, and so uh, obviously he should be in the top like fifty or so. I don't know why I, when I was typing it up, I didn't do it. I must've been sleep deprived. That's on me. I hope it didn't skew the data too badly. I, I yeah, I, le- I left Biffle off it. Biffle. I just left off Biffle. Wasn't even on my written list. I just totally effed up and forgot about Greg Biffle. This one was a, a typo. Let's call it a typo. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, no Jim 25 wins though. I mean, no championship, but I mean, then again, though, he did race in, you know, the early days of NASCAR. So, you know, just getting wins and stuff, that felt like that was, like, you know, just as important as a championship. But this is an impressive one. Uh, Unless, Danny, you're going to say about 600 here? Well, I was just going to say the reason I had actually the highest of all of us, and the only reason I really think he ended up the highest for for me is just kind of where he fell in line with the the all-time wins list. But those, uh, the the, the 600, uh, the two 600s, yeah, it's definitely held into that, you know, better quality there. 
Well, and and that 67 win in the 600 was the record all the way until Martin Shrix Jr.'s mm-hmm. domination in 2016. He had mm-hmm. 335 laps. He led over 500 miles of that race. And the other thing that I noted about him that was amazing to me, he averaged 11th place at short tracks from 1949 to 1972. Wow. So a major short track ace in this one. But I I almost feel like the chat should give us a drum roll here for the final pick we got tonight. Oh, yeah. Y'all are going to recognize this name for sure. Moving from 42nd to 41st. Now, 41st pick, one of, I, I believe, one of our few modern still driving driver picks for this list somebody who is a champion of this sport somebody who is second generation none other than mr popular himself 41st we have case elliott totally Mm -hmm. deserved deserves to be on this list and i wonder how many in the chat thought you were going towards like dale jr and now i'm like oh okay (laughs) i want to make it known though because everyone calls me an elliot hater of the four hosts i have elliot the highest of us in 41st that's that's shocking chat has chat has him 39th uh i i do i do kind of think there's a little skew there uh but i think chase elliot easily is on this list and i think Maybe it's a hot take here, but I think 10 years from now, he could be in the top 25 list of NASCAR drivers ever. Oh, it doesn't sound, like a hot, doesn't sound like a hot take to me. I could totally Yeah, but, but no yeah, one needs. I think you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. at, at this point, how many wins is he at? 18 career wins. Uh, you know, they continue to add road courses to the schedule. That's always, a tra- those are always tracks he's going to be favored at. Like, I, I think right now, Chase Elliott. I think he's expected to eclipse his father's win total. How many did Bill end up with? 44-ish? Or how many did wins did Bill Elliott end up with? It was somewhere in the 40s, I'm pretty sure. I, I think that's I think that's the bare minimum. I think at this point, Chase Elliott's got to look bigger. He's got to look at where Harvick's at in the 60 range. Bush is in the 60 range. Can he get to the 70s like Earnhardt? 44. I don't know. 44 for, yep. for Bill Elliott? 44. Look at my memory. I sometimes actually <laughs> do remember stats. I'm not y- y'all aren't the only historians on this show. Um <laughs> But no, Chase Elliott, like, I think he's easily already cracked the top 50. I think I had him surprisingly the lowest of the four of us uh, at 45. But, uh, you know, 18 wins in far fewer starts than many of the other drivers on this list. Uh, he's already a champion at, how old was he, 24, 25 when he won that championship. He's made it to three straight championship fours, if I'm not mistaken. He's cool under pressure. He's great at road courses. He's like, in many ways, he is the perfect modern NASCAR driver on the track, except for when he lost his cool at a at a Charlotte a few weeks ago. Minus that. He is like the perfect or, modern NASCAR driver that any team owner would die to have. Or when he was, uh, well, I think about, about his team owner liked him at Bristol back in 2021 when he helped his other driver get a win. After yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But people are, people are pointing out like, uh, oh, you've got Chase Elliott here now, but where's, where's Larson? I, Hey, you never know. We could say he's not going to be on this list. Yeah, yeah maybe he's on know. the list. Maybe he's not. I don't you know. never know. You never know. Just, just, just kidding. If, if he ain't on but here now, I bet y'all at least know something. Chase Elliott deserves to be, you know, he's just under the top 40. I mean, he's in the top 50 in his career's clearly not over yet. So, I mean, he hasn't even made, um, he hasn't made 200 starts yet, has he? So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, so he still has a long way to go. 
Well, or, I know when I put so he's won eighteen races between the twenty second race of twenty eighteen and the thirty first uh, race of twenty twenty two, and one hundred and fifty four okay. races is when in that span he got eighteen of his wins. Now he's made okay, so he has over two hundred, I think. He, yeah, so, he has. And and, and okay. as, people, as people are pointing out here, Chase Sailor, another accolade. He uh, he rizzed up Liv uh, Livy from LSU. <laughs> And then deleted the, he uh, tweeted a picture and then deleted it. I just want to make it known as well because I I just I I'm gonna lean into it. I'm the chief Chase Elliott hater. I'm the only one of us four who's not made some mean comment towards Elliott or joke at his expense, talking about how good he is. I'm sorry. I don't care what you have to say about his fans. I don't care what you have to say about his Mickey Championship. He at the moment is a top five driver. Yeah, he's going through a bit of a rough patch. Every driver does. But I mean, you look at look at what he's done so far in his career. Look at who he's beat. So 2020 champion, uh, anyone can rip on that. But then you know, 2022, he was the best driver in the field. He's finished tenth or better in points uh, every season up until this one, and I still think he'll do that with a win this year. And for rookie of the year, he beat guys like Ryan Blaney and Chris Busher. Yeah, Busher was in the 34. I know, but still. Very good drivers. It's it's not been easy for him either. Uh, this has got to be so weird mm-hmm. for the chat to hear me defending Elliot. <laughs> but I I would I think he fully deserves to be on this list. And I, I think by the end of the year he could be in the top forty. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, yeah that'll do it for I this so. portion of the list. Yeah, that'll do it for this portion of the list. Next yeah, week well, we got forty through thirty six. And and yeah, and going through tonight, we had Jack Smith in 45th, Buddy Baker 44th, Jeff Burton 43rd, Jim Pascal 42nd, and Chase Elliott 41st. Yeah, we'll we'll cover the rest of them next week. Maybe some of the people you thought were left off, we'll cover next week. Who knows? Yeah. And thinking of ranking and stuff, I just want to give a quick update from the Twitter poll. We have 411 votes. <laughs> 62% of people agree that Detroit-style pizza is better than Chicago-style pizza. Danny, Twitter is a shithole, and it doesn't matter. You got, you got hey, 411 this is, this, Twitter's this a shithole. I told our chat to go there, so... And we didn't have I, any viewership loss, so they obviously didn't. Oh, Detroit, I mean, Detroit-style is good. Literally, I, you can literally go to two websites at the same time. I'm not a I'm not a Detroit style hater. I just I'm shocked, honestly, that it lost to Chicago style deep dish. That is surprising to me. And in a landslide at that. Damn. I don't know if I go landslide, but okay. <laughs> Twitter's a shithole that shouldn't be taken seriously. Anyway, you know what we should take seriously? Going to the race this weekend. We got the Chicago street course coming up. And pretty much everyone has either accepted it, taken it seriously, or bitched like uh, a certain spotter. Uh but going into this weekend, mm-hmm. we have a lot of things to talk about. First off, 80% of attendees, from what NASCAR's databanks are saying, will be first-time attendees to a NASCAR race, which eclipses the clash. So that's a good uh, uh, mark. Darian, I'm going to butcher this name, so you just say it anyway. Who's driving to 91 this weekend? Oh, my God. Uh, Shane, okay. Van. Shane Van Ginsbergen. Gisbergen. Or Bisbergen. Yes. Okay, okay. There we go. I'll, I'll be honest. I just want to hear Darian try it. <laughs> I, no, Sorry, I, I buddy. I was afraid to say that. Just, just, just call him Van. Yeah. I'm gonna call uh, him they just Van. call him SVG over there. Oh, there you go. Uh, actually, that works. Yeah, that works out. 
Well, we got it sounds like it sounds like a new Law and Order show, Law and Order SVG. <laughs> we got we got two races this weekend, Xfinity and Cup. The Xfinity race on Saturday will be the Loop 121, 55 laps with two 15 lap stages to start and a 25 lap one to end it. Uh, starts at 3:30 p.m. Eastern time on USA and MRN. It'll be 79. Cloudy with some thunder showers, 80% chance of rain at the moment for this race. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the cup race will be the Grant Park 220, 100 laps, 20 laps stage one, 25 laps stage two, 55 laps to enter. Uh, then we got 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. That's when we start up this race on NBC and MRN. Sunday's forecast is 76 with a bit of cloudiness, some thunderstorms earlier in the day. And AccuWeather actually is covering the weather of Chicago on their website uh, for the race and says, have a bit of rain gear ready for the race at a 44% chance of rain. There are no defending winners because this is a brand new weekend, but... You might be able to bet on who the inaugural winner will be with Darian's betting odds. Yes, the odds on favorite is Chase Elliott at plus 500, followed by Tyler Reddick at plus 650, as well as Martin Truex Jr. Uh, at plus 750 is Kyle Larson. At plus 900 is Kyle Busch. The best of the rest, William Byron at plus 1100, Ross Chastain plus 1200, Daniel Suarez and Chris Buescher both plus 2500, and Michael McDowell at plus 2800. As for the underdogs, Denny Hamlin's plus 3,500, followed by SVG at plus 5,500. Uh, Brad Kozlowski, plus 6,500, followed by Bubba Wallace at plus 8,000. And Jensen Button, Button um, the former F1 champion, uh, at plus 10,000. Now, going over the NWP Fantasy League standings, it's getting better. It's getting better and better. Uh, Sean, 48NY, is still the points leader, followed by Trevor Sports, 98. It was good seeing you at the race this past weekend. Uh, Polish victory lap in P3 and fourth is 48 Nation. And rounding out the top five uh, is Danny B. Wife. And as nice. for and as for the uh, second league, the NWP Fantasy League 2, we have running two leagues this year. Uh, the top five uh, stands as follows. Uh, Race Roar 48 is the points leader, followed by JC underscore 43. 42, Larson 5 and P3. In fourth is Common Chase L. Yet. And then, and, oh, we have a tie. In a tie for the uh, in a tie for fifth place, we have Unofficial Illinois Representative and Vroom HMS. Thank you guys so much for playing this year. And now to our points. You annoy me with your pronunciation of Illinois. Uh, what do I say, Illinois? Yeah, you don't pronounce the S. Yeah, I know. It's a mess. Illinois. <laughs> Illinois. Oh. Uh, so something that also annoys me is the fact that the chat is leading the pick points even more. They are currently with 233 points. Minus 10 is Eric in second. Darian jumps up to the podium. Minus 58. I am fourth. Minus 59. And Danny is minus 60 in the basement, but really we're just sort of all like in a line at the, the front of the basement. And then it's just sort of like one of us is on each step. Uh, but going into that with that knowledge that we have going into the weekend, I should say, uh, let's get these picks underway. The Xfinity race, Eric, who you got? Well, Custer. <laughs> Damn. That was quick. All right, Darren, who you got? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm going next. Hold on, let me put him up. Uh, you know, this guy, you know, he made a fool of himself, but he's extremely talented. He's shown up on road courses before. I'm going to go with Sheldon Creed here. I think he'll get the W. 
I go Creed with Redemption as well. Oh, Custer. And uh, we've been pretty quick here looking at the chat. Yeah, chat's not even time to catch up. We didn't even get yeah, we didn't even get in time to catch up. Oh yeah, that's right. Brent Sherman's back. Oh my gosh, that's right. That's a name I haven't seen in a while. It's been a minute. And Justin Marks as well. Uh ten. Wait, is isn't Justin Marks in the ten? I believe he is. Let me check. Let me check again. Yes. Well, earlier on the NASCAR app, it was sh- still showing TBA, but I'm pretty sure that's who was supposed to be in it. If it uh, rains, okay. if it rains, Justin Marks wins this race. Wow, he's, I, he's winning by a landslide in the chat. I guess yeah, give him give Justin him Marks. Yeah, they're betting on rain. I think that's. Yeah. All right. Well, who's going to suck? They're hoping that that Roth gives him a talk this time. Well, what track <laughs> was it a few years ago? Where uh, mid Ohio? Mid Ohio? Yeah. yeah. He well, just it was it was actually unfair. I thought he was going to yeah. lap the field on a road course. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, who's going to be doing what on the road courses, we do have who's going to suck on this Chicago Street Course for the Cup Series. Brad Keselowski. This team's in a bit of a slump. I know they just got a top ten, but I don't know. I just don't feel right about them right now. I'm going to go with Daniel Suarez. Uh, I'm going to go really, really. Really safe on this one, and then I'll probably be proven wrong since I said that. Austin Dillon. I'm going to go Dillon uh, doing pretty bad in this. My boy, Alex Bowman, he's going to suck. And the chat's having him roll in right now. Uh, I'm not counting Eric Almirola. Sorry. I don't care what you guys say. Uh, Legacy. I see a few Bubba's, but not a I'm seeing lot. a lot. I'm seeing more. Well, players. now I'm seeing them. Now we're seeing and, them. And, and man, in, in McDonald's territory and everything. In yeah. Jordan territory. In Jordan. Oh, that's good. Oh man. Yeah. At least you awful. got. At least you got Reddick there, though. Just clean up the mess. Well, who's gonna be the dark horse pick? We got Bubba as the chat's suck pick. Eric, who's who's your dark horse for this weekend? Chris Busher. I don't want to give any additional insight because I don't want to help the chat. I'm just. <laughs> I don't want to accidentally give them any ideas. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Ty Gibbs. Just ten points below the cut line and. You know, this is. I feel like everyone's even entering the uh, the street course because nobody's ever been here before. So yeah, he has a shot. I like how Eric doesn't want to help him for a pick that does no nothing for points. Well, <laughs> don't help yeah. them in any way. Uh, but I'm actually going to agree with Eric here. I'm going Christopher Busher for the card. It is Jensen Button. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he Was he the was he the best finishing, uh, you know, kind of one-off guy at Coda? I think he ended up. He was one of the. I mean, he got a top twenty. I, I think he ended up like seventeenth or eighteenth. And I know Jordan Taylor got beat up, and I know Kimi Raikkonen, I think, got beat up. Yeah. So I think he was the best finisher. Uh, I'm looking right now, and there's there's a couple. There's ninety ones. There's thirty fours. But I saw a lot of McDowell starting out. Let's just go with McDowell. We'll give him. We'll have him uh, have the ninety one as an option for our next picks. Ah, yes, that's right. For the main event, who's going to win? Who's going to win on the streets of Chicago? I think that one too early because now the 91 is taking over. It doesn't matter in the end. Eric? Chase Elliott. That's an easy one. See, I was going to go with one of the usual suspects, but I've been saying I feel like there's going to be a wild card race to some extent. So you're going to have some, you know, fellow road course ringers, you know, might come into play, but I've been very high on this driver and team all season. I think Michael McDowell gets the W. 
Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it safe. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go Chase Elliott as well. I I was it's close with the 45, uh, but I'm gonna go on the nine on this one. I think that there's a, that little bit of momentum starting to build. Tyler Reddick. Mm. And looking at the chat, wow. Uh, yeah, that's pretty. I, I, they're, they're, I think they're going to follow uh, Eric on this one. Well, we might have to put an effect in the second half of the season what we did last year, having the chat uh, Eric pick after the chat. But uh, we'll we'll give Elliott this week because they did pick a different Xfinity winner. But yeah, it's been a fun show. See y'all this weekend. Uh, Post race, anything, whatever we all do, you'll see everything because we're, we're going to be putting a lot of stuff. But uh, guys. I say it's time for goodbye. Later, y'all. Yeah. Goodbye.